Jeji Nindra. Welcome to Adult Class 2, Practical Applications of Jainism. Let's start with the Navkarma. The level of violence in the world is increasing. It's going to get much worse before it gets better. However, there are things we can do to cope with that violence. The first thing is to stay informed but set limits. It's important to be informed about current events, but if you have a constant exposure to violence, then um, it affects your mind. How you doing? So if you set limits on your news consumption, then you can choose, for example, instead of reading news from everywhere, choose a couple of reliable sources and just get your news from there. Does anybody have uh, reliable resources for news? Where do you like to get your news? NPR. NPR? There's another, um, I think one of my cousins recommended, it's called Morning Brew. Okay. Uh, have you heard about it? No. So it's a email subscription free that gives you the entire news of, from yesterday. Right. Yeah. So you know, five minutes you get caught up. That's great. So we're talking about how to cope with the increasing violence in the world. So a second way is to talk, right? Talk to your friends and family. Talk about your feelings and your concerns and uh, ask them what they think about it. Um, when you share your emotions in a private setting, that helps relieve stress, even in general. Um, coping with violence, sure, but even uh, if you have, if you're stressed about other things, then talking with people will help. And if you sometimes, if you don't feel like you can talk to your spouse, then talk to your friends, and we're here for you too. All of us are here for each other. The next way is to practice self-care. A lot of times we forget about ourselves. And so we, if you prioritize taking care of yourself, if you prioritize exercising, relaxation techniques, uh, you can manage your stress and you can manage your own emotional well-being. The next thing to do is to be proactive about it, okay? Engage in positive actions to help reduce that violence. Uh, you can, obviously, you can help your community. Hey, come on in. We're talking about how to cope with increasing violence in the world. You can volunteer at support organizations. Uh, if you don't have time, you can make donations to, ca to causes that help reduce violence in the world. Uh, and you can also learn how to access your politicians. A lot of us don't know, don't even know who our politicians are. We don't know their phone number or their email address. Uh, you might find that, well, it's a little bit like yelling into the wind or something like that, but it may help you. Right? Hey, come on in. Can you pick me much better? Sure. Sure. Hey, how are you doing? Great to see you. We're talking about how to cope with increasing violence in the world. We just talked about staying informed but setting limits on your news sources, uh, talking with friends and family. 
prioritizing self-care, taking care of yourself and engaging in positive action. So you can actually be proactive and be a part of the solution. Uh, another way is to focus on what you can control. That is, there are a lot of things that are out of our control that may make us feel bad. But why are we letting them make us feel bad? Well, because we have empathy, right? Um, so that's where being proactive comes in. You can help counteract those feelings by focusing on what you can control. You can control the things around you. You can control donations you make or actions you help that you take to support uh, uh, peaceful causes. You can't control the future, right? You can only control your reactions and realize that your life has been remarkably stable compared to the lives of everybody in modern history. Actually, ancient history was even more stable than this uh, because people that were hunters and gatherers led stable lives for thousands and thousands of years. But in modern history, let's say uh, uh, for the last couple thousand years, our stability has been unprecedented. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Come on in, great to see you. You sit over here. Hi, come on in. Hi, how are you doing? Great to see you guys. I'm glad you could make it. Yeah, definitely. You're talking about how to cope with increasing levels of violence. Another way is to maintain a routine. That is, if you establish a daily routine and you stick to it, you have less a chance to let those kind of thoughts creep in, right? And it can, and it can provide you a sense of stability in an uncertain. Uh, so we talked about staying informed and setting limits, talking with friends and family, prioritizing self-care, taking care of yourself, engaging in positive actions such as donations and helping support causes. Um, that lead to peace and focusing on what you can control. Another way, of course, is to practice mindfulness. We talk about it a lot in class. I don't think I need to tell you more about that. Uh, we can support nonviolent solutions. We can advocate for diplomacy and conflict resolutions. Does anybody here have any causes that they like to donate to or they like to volunteer for? Yes. Education. Yes. Yes. Great. Julia. Of course. So if you don't, if you don't, um, and you'd like to learn about this, then definitely look up some of those organizations, and that can give you that sense of control back that you might feel that you're lacking. Uh, another way is to educate yourself about the causes of violence. For example, all these wars going on, well, what causes those wars? You may feel a very uncertain and very, uh, you may have anxiety because you feel like wars are spontaneous and they happen randomly. So if you look into the causes and you look into history and you look into the history of violence, that may help you. It may seem unseemly, right? Well, why do I, why is Demir telling me to study violence? Well, I'll always tell you to study the truth, right? and get to, the, get to the truth about why things happen. Hey, come on in, how are you doing? And knowledge is the best way to fight fear. So, hi, JG Nindra. How are you doing? Great to see you, JG Nindra. Knowledge is the best way to fight fear. Uh, my kids are afraid of bugs, right? 
they're afraid of small insects and things like that. And so I tell them, I ask them about to identify the bugs and which ones can hurt them and which ones can't because they're equally scared of a fly as a spider, right? Or a wasp. And they shouldn't be equally scared of those things because all they know is it's, it's a bug, right? So they're scared of a fly. So once we talk about knowledge, like, listen, the fly can't hurt you. It can land on you. It can't bite you. It can't sting you. They know not to, they know, they stop being scared of a fly. And I say, well, see that wasp? It's okay to be scared of that one. That one can sting you. So then you run away. So this is what I mean when I say, uh, you fight fear with knowledge. Okay? The more you understand the truth, the less scared you are, the less anxiety you have. Another way is to focus on positivity. That is, the news is inherently negative. It has a negative bias, right? There's no, that's why some news is end their day with the positive story. So it lets you associate them with positivity. But try to have a balance of positive and negative news. Think about what's going right in your life and what's going right with the people around you. And even there are some news sources dedicated to positive news. And finally, you should uh, take breaks. That is, if you are overwhelmed with the amount of anxiety you're feeling, then it's okay to disconnect for a little while. It's okay to not consume the news for a week. It's okay to do things like that. It's okay to take a break to focus on yourself. Because if you don't focus on yourself, you can't help anybody. You can't help your family. You can't help your community. Things like that. Questions or comments about that? Yes. When you do news, you're constantly looking. Doesn't it bring you down in general? Absolutely. So why worry about listening to those things once you know this is a negative news? Just stay, you know, don't go there. Right. 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 So we do want to limit our news consumption if that's affecting you negatively. Other questions or comments? That negative news is actually a part of the information too, which we should be able to process, right? I mean... Understand it is negative, we should not listen to it, but like this wars are going on, this negative news, but it's a part of the information, right? We should know and we should discuss about it and we should be able to uh, think about it. I mean, sure, you should be informed about what's going on in the yeah. world, but not that, not so, such that it negatively affects your health. Yeah, it exactly. kind of uh, brings the awareness. Looking at negativity, you don't want to yourself become a negative. Right. But you want to, you know, matta drashta. Yeah. That's what. When it comes to negativity, negative news, you just look at it, don't get affected by it, and just be aware about it. Right. What I have noticed that typically when this kind of conflict happens, you subconsciously take sides of mm -hmm. one party and that's when kind of it starts affecting you. Like if you just consume it as a news, probably it doesn't bother you that much. But right. the moment you start associating or kind of supporting one side versus other. Then you become invested in it, right? Yeah. Then it's yeah. a story that yeah. you're a part of. Yeah. Now I'm a part of this war yeah. and I want these people to win. Right. But the question is taking sides a bad thing. If you know the truth about it, okay, you go through the history and figure out, okay, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And it's taking sides a bad thing. If it negatively affects your health, it is. So then 
Sam is pro for looking at the games. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, don't get associated with anyone. Instead, just enjoy the game. Right. What are sports but a proxy of war, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's going too far. <laughs> Uh, when you get gray hair like he does, you'll care less about proxy. So what does this have to do with Jainism? We've been talking for 20 minutes. We haven't talked about Jainism once. Well, every religion has to answer this question. That is, why do bad things happen to good people? So what's Jainism's answer? That's right. It's your karma, right? But how can it be karma if the U.S. drops a nuclear bomb on a city, you're telling me all those people's Leisha Karma were, they were destined to expire at the same instant. A whole city's worth of people. That's like telling me everybody born in the same month has the same personality because they're a Sagittarius. How, how likely is that? How likely is it that a millions people had the same Leisha Gorma to expire in the exact same instant. I think some theories explain part of it, like 4th of July celebration, if there is a lot of fireworks and everything going on. So at that time, millions of people watched together and all the uh, living things are getting killed. So I think everybody is doing those negative karmas at the same time. And that may explain part of that syndrome. Mm -hmm. I've heard about that scene. You know, if a group of people enjoy in, uh, an act, they all build same kind of karma or leisha, and then it depends upon the bondage, right? How involved you are, you know, whether physically or emotionally, like the band mm -hmm. part of it. Mm -hmm. So that's the only explanation I can think of. Well, the answer is that karma doesn't mean that free will doesn't exist. So you can commit suicide. You, your life, you have, so for, if you don't remember, you have a lifespan karma, right? And when it expires, your body dies, right? And you move to the next one, right? And so, but you can still commit suicide. And what happens in your final breath, you start burning that faster and faster. Okay, so the fact that karma exists doesn't mean that free will doesn't exist. So that may be a solution to what happens in wars when multiple people die at once, and it's clear that they didn't have all the they didn't have all the same lifespan karma. That is, it expired; it burned very rapidly. Okay, uh, but all religions have to answer this question. Hi, come on in. How are you doing? Um, Remember, karma, <coughs> why do bad things happen to good people? Remember, you may have been leading a good life, but you may still bear fruits of things that you did in previous lives, right? And so that's why a bad thing may happen to you, even though you're a good person. Uh, one other way that Jainism will help you is practicing this attitude of gratitude, right? Um, when you realize how good you have it, uh, you may be able to uh, 
that may be able to help you cope with how bad other people have it. Because a lot of times we feel guilty, right? Because we have a very high standard of living compared to everybody else. And so once we start appreciating that and not taking it for granted, that will help us not feel guilty and that will help motivate us to make everybody's life better, not just our own. And of course, Jainism offers meditation and mindfulness. I've been talking to you about that for years and years. So I encourage you to start uh, if you haven't already. So questions or comments about that? Yes. How do karma affect the aptitude? So there's a quite a bit of karma on your body and your intelligence, right? Um, and so you are born with particular traits of your body and your intelligence, but you can change those as you perform nirjara. And so especially as you get rid of nanavarnia karma, which is knowledge obscuring karma, you will become smarter and you'll understand that is you'll you won't become smarter you will eliminate that karma that is obscuring the infinite knowledge that your soul already has. That's a really convoluted way to say it, but that's the truth. Other questions or comments? So the aptitude can be created. It can be unobscured. So you have infinite knowledge right now because you're a soul. The only thing obscuring that is your karma. So as you get rid of Nanavarni karma, you will become more of yourself. Still, as far as the aptitude goes, we still kind of how the gnan has to do things with the aptitude. Oh, okay. So I thought you were talking about the same thing. Tell me, how is knowledge different from aptitude? The knowledge is something that you experience. Aptitude is not something that you experience. Aptitude is something that, you know, sets your trend, your tendency. Okay, so you're defining aptitude as some type of skill and using your knowledge. Right. I see. Ah, I see. So how does karma affect your aptitude, your skill in using your knowledge? Sure. So I would say that a lot of what you are looking for is in obstacle overcoming obstacles which is antaraya karma right uh, and so that is what you're calling aptitude your skill in using the knowledge that you have other questions or comments so one question i have i don't know it's, it's not related but our sanskar what we have in this life is it built on our karma like what we carry from previous life our sanskar like both both that's why it's confusing because it's complicated. And our life would be so much easier if karma was something that we could see. So what we get around us, that's based on our karma, right? So that yeah. is all the sanjog or the environment or the people, everything we get is based on our different types of karma, where we are born and like now karma and, and then how you react to it, that builds up your future. I mean, so, I mean, I get the karma based on whatever my past karma is and then how I react to it, how I settle it, then it gets carried to my next. That that what I how you react to it would be the to start. Yeah. So, I think this like the, in a shed, it is a combination of previous karmas plus what you apply your purusha in this life. 
because if you may have the same siblings getting the same sanskar from your parents, but if your purusharth is different than your brother, but sister, we also carry the sanskar from our because. Say if I'm angry or if I'm like this, if I'm like that, that is all not like just came from my parents. It also comes what I carry from my previous parents. It's so, combination, I think, of karma and bhutchat. Other questions? They don't have to be on topic. If your questions are off topic, that's great too. Because if you want to talk about something other than what I prepared, I'd rather talk about that. So it's a different story when we talk about our kids, right? How do we help our kids deal with increasing violence in the world? Uh, first, we talk with them. Um, also, they don't know that everything has a name. And when you give something a name, you get power over it because then you come to define it. So their emotions, give names to their emotions, such as I'm feeling anxiety about this. Or they, don't, they might not even understand that the news is causing me to feel bad. They might not even understand that, right? So give names to the emotions that they're feeling and give names to the things that are happening to them. Uh, understand that they're not alone. A lot of times kids are in their own head so much they think they're alone in feeling the way they are. You know, they think they invented everything. Like, oh, I invented how to do this because all they realize is that themselves exist in the world. So let them understand that they're not alone and that everybody goes through uh, these types of things. Uh, talk to them about why things happen. And if you don't know why things happen, then look at the news together to understand why violence happens. Um, a lot of times uh, they, they don't know, they can't express their emotions. So when I say talk to your friends and family, they can't do this. They, not, they can't express their emotions that well. Sorry about that. Um, so, uh, let them write about how they're feeling. Let them write a letter to a newspaper or let them write about what they're going through. Have them keep a journal, something like that. Uh, do a thought experiment with them. Have them build a time machine and go back into the past to realize how people lived then and how much violence there was in the world then and how, especially how kids lived in the world then. I would like that a lot of times in history. We get, we only get how adults live, right? Even if we study anthropology and we're not talking about wars or we're just talking about cultural, different cultures and how people live, we don't get what their kids did. We don't get what toys their kids played with or we don't get what their kids did for fun or how, what kind of school they were in. So do research with your kids about how kids lived uh, previously. Hey, come on in. How you doing? Good. Uh, do a risk analysis with your kids. One of the most important things you can tell your kids is that all of life is a probability. And you should live your life like that. That is, what's the most dangerous thing you probably do every day? Drive. Drive, right. Uh, and isn't flying safer than driving? Yeah, it's statistically safer to fly everywhere than to drive everywhere. Uh, and so if you don't understand that all of life is a probability, first you understand it and then teach your kids that. For example, why should you just always drive the speed limit? If driving is the most dangerous thing you do every day, and it probably is, why should you just drive the speed limit? Safety. Less chances of getting Safety. Why is that? Survival. Why is it safer to drive the speed? 
Because if everybody's driving at the same level, hopefully you're not getting accident. Also, when they make the roads, the curve and all, they know yeah. that if you exceed the speed limit and all, it can be dangerous. Because you have better reaction rates. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So two reasons. First is the safety reason, that is the speed limit is rated for the road that it's on. And second is because everybody else drives the speed limit. So what I mean when I say probability is you minimize your interactions with other cars because everybody else is driving the speed limit. So if you go uh, 15 under or 15 over, let's say you go, you drive 15 miles. If you go 15 over, you encounter 100 cars. If you go 15 under, you also encounter 100 cars. And if there's 5% of crazy people on the road, you have a 5% chance to get into an accident. If you drive the speed limit, you encounter 10 cars because everybody is driving the speed limit. So you only encounter 10 cars. Now, if you have a 5%, if there's 5% chance, if there are five crazy people on the road, you just reduce it to zero. Okay, so that's what I mean when I say all of life is a probability and teach your kids that. Uh, plan for disasters, okay? So have an emergency hurricane kit if your kid's worried about hurricanes. Kids can be worried about crazy things like quicksand, okay? Tell them there's no quicksand around you. Have an emergency hurricane kit. Uh, plan for disasters about what to do if you get lost, where to meet if you lose each other, what numbers you call, things like that. So that will help you too. If you have a plan, you feel better about it. Tell them about first responders. Kids don't know that there's people whose job it is to be a first responder in an emergency situation. Tell them that, and then that way, hopefully, they'll feel better. Uh, help them raise money to give to donations to good causes, right? So that'll teach them many, many things if you teach them how to donate, right? That'll teach them to about how you can let go of money and it won't feel bad. You can feel good about donating things. It will teach them how to save. This is one of those things that has tremendous knock-on effects for their entire lives. And that's why they do it in the temple, right? Hey, come on in. That's why they give $2 out to each kid and then they decide where to donate it and they don't pressure the kids to donate it, but the kids do it freely. And then they'll do it when they're an adult. Uh, tell them we live in an age of unparalleled communication. We can reach out to people in war-torn countries uh, to, if we don't donate to them because they might be a scammer, we can at least talk to them and write to them. We can use that communication to reach out to other people. Encourage your kids to think critically. Teach them how to consume the news. Now, if you don't know how to consume the news and that there's a right way and a wrong way, first you learn. There is a right way and a wrong way to consume the news. Teach them how to consume the news and how to think critically about the news. That is, what sources they're coming from, who's paying the news, what a conflict of interest is. Teach them how to consume that stuff. Establish a routine. We talked about that. That's good for yourself, too. Monitor their online activity. Uh, we have a we signed up for this program that we pay for that monitors our kids' online activity. We don't do it in secret. We tell them that we're doing it, and we tell them it's for their safety. And if they don't believe you that it's for their safety, in a controlled way, show them that things are not safe on the internet. Uh, my kids got scared at a scary movie, 
So they'll believe me when I say you can't go to this R-rated movie because it's going to scare you because they actually got scared at one, right? Uh, so don't monitor them in secret. Monitor them openly. Tell them it's for their safety and explain to them why they see something that says they can't watch this video on YouTube. Encourage positive activities. Of course, uh, I think we already do that. And lead by example. Obviously, if you are negatively affected by um, this increasing violence in the world, then they will be. So if you change yourself, your kids will understand that they can change themselves too. Unfortunately, what you said, actually YouTube should add it because today YouTube doesn't have it. Right. Any kind of video, it just plays. It doesn't give any kind of saying that it is 18 plus or anything actually. That's, right. that's very many. Right. And so... It's hard, right? It's hard to keep up with it. You got to, especially when your kids get phones, it's going to be 10 times challenging. So yes. try to do it when your kids are young and develop this kind of habits together. And then when they get their phones, then, you know, it's not too late. <laughs> Questions or comments? What is the right age to give the phone to the kids? So, yeah, that's a great one. So I've been telling my kids eighth grade. Everybody here, I know they're going to start pounding it for it earlier. My mm -hmm. eldest one already did, and she said she wants one in middle school. I said it's too early. Can I get uh, a hand raise on fifth grade or lower? Anybody? Sixth grade? You gave your kids phones at sixth grade, seventh grade? Okay, eighth grade? Okay, great. Ninth grade? Ninth grade? Uh, tenth grade and up? So, around there. Yeah. So, given Ishan's personality, yeah. you know, his, he doesn't care for this kind of thing. We gave him, when he was four and a half year old, a very old phone. Yeah. Just so that he understands he can communicate with his cousin. Giving him so early, he never cared for the phone. Yes. It's not taboo. It's he not forbidden. We want him to give <laughs> you use it, but he lost once. Yeah, he's going to forget it everywhere. So just this summer, he went to India. They went outside. We weren't with him. And he's saying some, someone pickpocketed or whatever. So now he knows that he can't even ask us for the phone. <laughs> so now he's without phone. But I don't know it's going to last too long, but that's what we did. As soon as he finds out, he can talk to girls on the phone. <laughs> YouTube all day. <laughs> I think it's different. Short. Yeah. So younger one, we can't give him. Yeah. Some kids have a more addictive personality than other kids. So it, it really just depends on the person. More than that, it's becoming the new tool, right? New technology. They make it to make the kids addictive. Of course. That, that's their goal, to have them spend more screen time. Forget about kids, even adults. You start opening Insta or YouTube or Facebook, you don't know how much time you spend, like many of the adults have that problem. Right? Absolutely. The, the phones, you also, like, like we started our kid at sixth grade, but they don't, 
get the ability to install all those apps, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it's fun. Like, our kids are using it texting because everyone, if more people have phones and don't have it, then texting becomes the way to, to call each other. So, but you don't, we don't put the social media on <laughs> Same thing, right? You got, you got fantasy football texting. That's only two things I can do. So, but, but definitely all the big tech companies make money based on the screen time only. So, they want that. Well, does anybody go ahead? Nowadays, not only just just any phone works for them. They always want the latest and greatest that's out there, right? So if right. parents are getting a new one, they always want the new one. So I've seen in among my friends, they they gave their kids like their old phones and stuff, and they're always like asking, "No, no, now I want the now I want the Apple. I don't want Android." So um, yeah, we have to fight that, right? So that's everything. Sanders car. <laughs> you gotta have that battle every day. Does anybody need a book? I with adults. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody need a book? I have two here. Anybody have one? Okay. Uh, I have something off topic. Did anybody, was anybody able to practice letting thoughts go? Two weeks ago, we practiced letting thoughts go. Did anybody practice that? I practiced that. I got a chance to practice that just the other day. I was with my kid at a movie theater and the there was a young girl behind me and she was kicking my chair, right? And she was excited, right? I don't think she was doing it on purpose. I know she wasn't doing it on purpose. She was being a kid. And so I thought, well, what can I do here? I thought, well, I could talk to the dad that was right there. Well, at first I thought I could talk to her. And then I was like, no, that's the wrong move. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. ruin her experience, right? And then I was like, oh, I should talk to the dad and ask him to have her stop kicking my chair. And then, then I thought, well, that might ruin her experience too. And then I thought, well, now's a good time to practice letting thoughts go like a balloon. Right? <laughs> so, every time. And if you're wondering why I had all this time to think, this was the Taylor Swift concert movie. Yeah. Just a and a half hour. I have plenty of time to think about what to do because this was going to go on. Yeah. So... I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to practice letting thoughts go. So every time she kicked my chair, I was going to practice, see if I felt anger. And if I felt the anger, I was going to say, why am I feeling angry? She's a little kid. Uh, she's kicking my chair. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm don't care about this movie. It, you know, it doesn't matter. And I'm going to practice letting it go. So she kicked my chair like 50 to 75 times. Right. And each time I practiced letting it go letting it go. And I felt good about it. And then I remembered how I reacted to spam calls. Like, okay, anytime I get a spam call, I think about, well, am I doing the right thing right now? Am I doing what am I, what I'm supposed to be doing? I use it like a mindfulness. So I did this thing where I, I let me try to do, associate that with these kicks in the back of my chair. And so I did that and it worked. And so I am here to report a success that is letting <laughs> thoughts go and reframing things, negative things that happens to you works. So if you haven't practiced it, practice it, because I can tell you from experience that it works. Okay, so we talked to, yes. That's what the eighth movement, it calls about anathanand. Right. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. That's right, exactly. Other questions or comments about anything we talked about today? All right, so we talked a lot about the news because that's obviously how we learn about the increasing violence in the world. 
So let's talk about how to decrease our news consumption. First, uh, you have to acknowledge you have a problem with news consumption. I was addicted to the news earlier because I thought, you know, it was good to stay informed, but I didn't realize it was negatively affecting my life and I spent too much time on the news. So the first step is to always admit you have a problem, right? If you do have a problem with the news, you might think, ah, it's a great problem to have, but it's, yeah, compared to a lot of other problems, it's a great problem to have, but we're working on your life and progressing you spiritually. So it's still a problem, even though it's kind of minor compared to other things. Uh, next, you can set boundaries. Give yourself 30 minutes in the morning to look at the news and that's it. Or 30 minutes in the evening to look at the news and that's it. Or both, you know, set a boundary and then stick to it. Uh, next, designate news-free zones in your life. For example, whenever you're in the bedroom, you know, you can't do any news because you're gonna go to sleep or you're waking up or something like that. Or whenever you're in the kitchen, you know, it's time to cook food, it's a news-free zone, okay? How about at work? Okay, whenever you're at work, just no news, okay? Whatever works for your life. Uh, unsubscribe and unfollow all these news sources that you subscribe to. Um, that's one way to reduce it. And figure out your phone. I told you that before, but take control of your phone so your phone doesn't take control of you. Don't let it ding for news alerts. That's the worst kind of stuff you can get. That's not even like an emergency or something, okay? So don't let it ding, figure it out. Um, be selective about the sources of news. Pick one or two sources. Yeah, it's bad to always just choose one source, but pick one or two reliable sources. Uh, I used to think that, oh, the more sources I got, the better. But then I was falling into this rabbit hole of crazy sources, right? Mm -hmm. Just like ridiculous stuff, right? Because I was trying to compare the different sources to see how they're different. Well, that didn't affect my life one bit, okay? So just pick one or two sources and then be happy with it. <laughs> Uh, practice mindfulness, we already talked about that. Uh, replace the time that you used to be thinking about the news with something else, okay? So you don't go back to the news. That is, replace the news time with book time. Read a chapter of your book. Or replace the news time with something else. So usually it's on the phone. So there's plenty of other things to do, but those are probably worse than the news. So figure out something else to do in your news time. Uh, limit your social media, we talked about that. Um, limit your exposure to news, we talked about that. Distract yourself. So use uh, use this as an opportunity to monitor your career. So just like when I was monitoring when I got angry and dealing with it each time, when you feel the need to look at the news, monitor that and say, why is that? Do I feel disconnected from what's going on? Do I feel disconnected from what happened today? And why is that? Do I need to be understand what's going on in the world, in the news? And use it to monitor how you feel on the inside. So I have one uh, question on that. Yep. You say distract yourself. I have tried actually, I have distracted myself a lot of times and then again, I'm back. Right. Why am I distracting? That's okay, it's been one week I'm distracting and not thinking about this. Right. What do you say about that? Because Thought is going to keep coming and we keep distracting. Okay, I'll go for biking, I'll go for gym, I'll go for this, I'll go for this. But then again, a moment you sit quiet, again, that thoughts comes. Again, where do I go and distract it? Yeah. It means keep doing some activities and all those things. That's what we are talking about. And that's why we hear so much music, even though sometimes uh, people say, I'm listening God music, but you are just distracting yourself by music, nothing else. Right. Even though it is a God music you are listening to us, it's just a distraction. So like... 
how to overcome that thought only like otherwise we keep distracting and keep engaging ourselves in something else that's great i'm sorry if you asked that now you know why it's a short term solution it's a bandaid <laughs> on the problem okay but i will recommend it if you're not there yet okay so if you're further back on the spiritual path that's good advice to distract yourself you're further along on the spiritual path now that's bad advice now you have to do other things now you have to learn how to be hi come on in how are you? good how about you so now that you know that that's not going to work and that hasn't been working for you congratulations you're further you leveled up okay you're further along now you know you have to find that peace within yourself and now you know that no matter where you go or what you do the problem is still there because it's inside of you and now we're talking about mindfulness and meditation and that's what you have to do so remember um i might tell you something and that's good or bad advice depending upon where you are on the spiritual path like we tell our kids do punya well isn't punya bad for you yes punya is bad for you but you're a little kid so do punya and then when you get older then we're going to talk about stop doing punya okay so that the advice changes depending on where you are upon the spiritual path and some people mean seem to think that well if you have contradicting advice it can't be true no it's just your frame of reference it's just where you are describing what you need to do that doesn't mean it's not true just because two pieces of conflicting advice are both applicable doesn't mean they're not true uh another way is to have an accountability partner that is if you are having trouble with something in your life uh seek out someone that is also having the trouble and go through that path together and be be accountable to each other have a group that we are accountable for and of course everything we talked about the caveat is always if it's really debilitating for you then there are mental health professionals that you should see so questions or comments about anything we talked about today How about our online friends? How are you doing, Toby? Is the connection good today? Yeah, it's doing great. Thank you. Great. Any questions or comments so far? Yeah, that's always my caveat, right? It's easy to talk about these things. And it's easy when we're here and we're sitting down to think that, "Oh, I'm going to go out and change my life." Once we leave the classroom, it's very hard. But the problem is I can't follow you once you leave the classroom. Uh you'll have to you'll have to have find it within you to change your life once we get out of these four walls. You know, the thing about the news is interesting is sometimes uh, I'm the type of person who doesn't get too emotionally um um impacted when there's something bad or good going on but my wife or other people we know would be feeling outrage one way or the other picking the sides right so they we get into the debates about the news and they're like why are you not outraged you know you know this should be as if that was a defect in yes <laughs> and sometimes i feel guilty like hey should i be going to this vigil for xyz side because this is i need to show support to the world or should i just say it doesn't matter to me or it's not something that that's 
in my sphere of uh, influence. So why, right. why am I going out? But sometimes I do feel guilty that I'm not taking too much interest in the news as right. my peers. Don't feel guilty. <laughs> You're fine. People have different problems. Um, some people, uh, you have your own problems that you should work on. That's not a problem that you need to work on. Not feeling, if you feel like, oh, it's a different story if you find that you're not having empathy and compassion for the people around you. And it's a different story if you're not finding empathy and compassion for the things you see on the news, right? So I wouldn't say that that's a problem. I would say it's a problem if you see somebody in front of you and you don't have compassion for them, then you might want to work on that. But if you don't have compassion or empathy for people that you feel on the news that are very far away or you realize it's out of your control, uh, it's not a good thing. Yeah. I have very similar observation related to elections as well. Right. So elections, like I have seen some people so, so much get involved and so much passionate about that. Like if their side does not win, mm -hmm. I have seen people literally crying. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why, like, like whatever side wins, it mostly does not change your life. Like right. whether this side wins or the side wins. So, but I still always get surprised, like why people are so much emotionally invested in elections and candidates and like that. Right. And one thing we can do is we can do everything, but without the emotions. For example, if you if you firmly are, you know, if you're a political animal and you are into politics and you volunteer and things like that, you can still do all those things, but without the emotions. Right. You can you can be a helpful person. You can say, well, I'm advancing the rights of these people and I'm helping. But you don't have to get angry about it because that anger is decreasing the quality of your life. Right. And so just you can do that in your life. You can punish your children if that's what you want to do without being angry. Right. Because that's the right thing to do. You're setting a boundary, but you don't have to be angry about it. Right. You can have a discussion with somebody else without the emotion. OK, so you can do everything that you want to do, but just not be not succumb to anger, ego, deceit and greed. We can take those out of the equation. In fact, you can live your life without those things. And you can, from an outside observer, okay, you can have the same life, that is do all the same actions from here until this body dies, and they will not be able to tell the difference if you did it without anger, ego, deceit, and greed. But it will impact the quality of your life significantly and impact the quality of your future life significantly. Also affect the people who look upon you with respect. Certainly. So their life also is affected. If you right. are taking action in under the anger, taking very neutralized way. Right. And one of the pratima, the Srahot pratima, is called out for parakram. And that parakram means that if you have a capability to influence certain things, you should go ahead and do it, but emotionless. Right, right. And remember, that's exactly right. When we talk about not doing things with emotion, that doesn't mean we don't show compassion for people. It's still good to do charity, to do donation, to do it, but you can do it without emotion. For me, it's like watching a movie 
or show and then when you're watching and there's some sad scene or something and I start crying right. I don't even know I know that story is fake but it's just <laughs> get too much in the water right right it's hard to control and what is your life but a story that you tell yourself happens to this body but it's not true because your life is much longer than that and it's much as uh, much more ups and downs than whatever has happened to this body Uh, that's an epiphany that I had uh, some time ago and I keep referencing it is that all we call a life is a series of events that happen to this body. Other questions or comments about anything we talked about today? We can excuse ourselves if we momentarily get uh, emotional and even we cry in the movie but then next moment we should You know, get ourselves together together and say, okay, this is the past. <laughs> and excuse ourselves. Don't get guilty. guilty. Sure. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate that.